0: Well, I don't know if you remember, but I do. I was here in January of this year, and uh, it, was, it was good to be here then. It was, it's a little warmer now. It was freezing that day. And uh, a lot's transpired since January for you all, uh, for my wife and me. And that's really what's on my heart this morning is just to share with you that God knows the journey that you're on. He knows the path he has for you. He knows what he's doing uh, in his own purposes and how he wants to use each one of us to bring him glory, to fulfill his plans, to bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when I was here in January, I, I shared with you our district vision, which is to see the kingdom advanced in our life, to see the kingdom advance wherever he has us and we talked about how the rule and reign of God goes wherever we are submitted to it. It was uh, hopefully uh, an encouragement to you to realize there's more going on than any particular aspect of your life. There's a bigger picture that God is bringing, and uh, we need to be caught up in that bigger picture. But today, I want to take The other side of it, the the road that you're on, the the pathway, the next step on that path that you're on, and and share with you that God understands it's not just about advancing His kingdom, it's about walking with us as we advance His kingdom. And uh, something that's been very important to me is to realize that my expectations and my thoughts about how this thing is going to look get radically turned on its head every now and then. Um, Yeah, thank you for the amen on that. So uh, that's what I want to share with you, and uh, Mike, thanks for the prayer to be free with this. I will start with this, though. Um, See if you can follow with me with what I'm saying here. Take 450 grams of three water-soluble protein groups and two water-insoluble protein groups and mix with a ratio of one part liquid to three parts powder. Add a fermenting gas compound, allow the composition to expand for one or more times, then heat to 350 degrees Fahrenheit for 33 and a half minutes and cool for 10. The final composition may be ingested by mouth. Compounds are incapable of absorption until rendered soluble, affected by the action of saliva, which converts compounds into dextrin and subsequently into maltose. On reaching the stomach, digestion of the starch uh, will continue by the saliva until neutralized by outflow of gastric juices in half to three-quarters of an hour. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, all right, well, I, I did a lot of research on that, as you can probably tell, um, Here's a better way of maybe of saying what I just said. Close your eyes for a moment and imagine yourself coming downstairs on Thanksgiving morning, and you're beginning to smell the fresh, hot yeast rolls that grandma is pulling out of the oven. And she gives you one before Thanksgiving dinner, and you open it to see the steam rise. You take a butter knife and slather it with a a soft pat of butter. It begins to smelt over the sides and you take it up to your mouth and your teeth. Are you with me now? (laughs) Which, uh, Which image do you prefer there? You know, the science is important. Bread, there's a science behind bread. You get any of those pieces of the scientific order of making bread out of whack and the whole thing uh, doesn't work. But it's, it's that sensory, almost emotional, almost spiritual uh, interaction with bread that makes you go, that's what I long for. I think bread is a gift from God. <laughs> Amen. I, I feel for you who have the, you know, the gluten intolerance. Boy, give me your gluten. Bring it on. I'll have your extra gluten. Um, we had a lady in our church uh, when I pastored. She was at the top of the list of bakers in our church. And one Sunday morning, we were, gonna, we were having communion, and I said, Pam, we're not going to do the crackers today. We're not going to do the little pieces of matzah bread, the, the thin that represents the manna or the the Passover bread. We're going to have fresh baked Webster, we call it Webster bread. She baked bread for newcomers and church fellowships and she middle school Bible studies and she had give us a loaf every now and then, just uh, uh, butter us up. And it didn't need butter. And so she, the, our kitchen was just in this room right here. It was off the front of the sanctuary. So uh, I said, I want you to bake the bread while I'm preaching. And uh, so during during the service, the smell of this fresh baked bread starts wafting out into our sanctuary. No one was listening to me. Everyone kind of knew something was going on behind those doors. And she brought out fresh baked bread for communion. And uh, had I had Pam Webster and had your sanctuary had a kitchen right off it, I would have done that today. Uh, there are places, you have notes, if you didn't get notes, if you look at the top of your page, there's a connection between God's people journeying in life, journeying in, in battle, journeying in worship, journeying to, to the temple, journeying in just the mundane aspects of life. There's a connection between our journey in life and bread in Scripture. And so there's a, several Old Testament Uh, examples. Abraham in, in Genesis 14 had been fighting battles with different kings and at the end of one battle out appears from almost nowhere this mysterious person known as Melchizedek and Melchizedek brings out bread and wine to minister to him after battle. Uh, In uh, Exodus 12, perhaps you know the story that when uh, Israel was being called up out of Egypt, God says, I want you to be ready. He gives them a recipe for bread that could be made quickly. It could be carried for a long time. It was the Passover bread. Have it because you're going to be on the move. And so I'm delivering you and you've got to be ready and things aren't going to feel great. And, And you see bread provided in deliverance. By the time you get to Exodus 16, the people are already beginning to complain to God about how they would love to go back. <laughs> and uh, so in in their disobedience, while they're busy complaining and grumbling, God brings down from heaven this substance that they can go and pick up on the ground. It's called manna. It was their daily bread, and God would provide that for these people for 40 years as he was restoring his call to them. Even in their disobedience, God was bringing provision to bring them to what he really wanted. By the time you get to Leviticus, as God begins to show his people what worship is going to be like, it begins with a grain offering in Leviticus 2. So they are supposed to bring, among other things, grain to the temple, and the leftover grain would be made into bread to provide for the priests. In Leviticus 23, God provided for poor the poor people who didn't have farms, and uh, the, the farmers who owned the land were supposed to leave the stalks of grain so that the poor could come and glean some of the grain so that they could provide bread. So there's charity uh, being offered in bread. In Leviticus 24, there was to be a perpetual loaf of bread in honor of God, an allegiance to Him, an ultimate ongoing devotion. It was called the showbread in the King James, but it's this bread that was prepared in worship of God. And then fast forward into 1 Kings, back-to-back stories of the prophet Elijah, who after battling and being faithful and showing the power of God was weak, And God provides bread for him two different times in two different ways. Bread accompanies our journeys. Now, I I come in from, I live in Akron now, uh, and I blow in here on a Sunday morning, and I, I know some of you, and I don't know many of all of you, and I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what kind of week you just had, I don't know what kind of news you just received. I don't know what you're facing in a week or, or a month. Maybe there's something ahead of you that you're pretty unsettled by. Maybe we just we came up yesterday uh, for a funeral uh, over where we used to pastor. A 62 year old man died of cancer, and now his widow wakes up this morning for the first day without her husband. That you, I don't know. What's going on in your life? And maybe you're here today, and you're thinking life is good right now. I know as a church, you're facing some uncertainty. You're you're moving through this transition. It's been about four and a half months from my about yeah about four and a half months from my uh, counting of uh, your, your pastor Jason's uh, official ending time. It probably seems like an eternity here. And, and I don't know all of what your church is going to face. I don't know what all that, you're, that God's calling your church to, to go through. But I know that it, you can start to feel weary as a body of Christ. And although some of you are here going, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I love my church. Things are great. Uh, but that's the journey we're on. And some are going through rocky paths and uphill climbs and others are walking on this road that is just it's like sponge it's just it's just you're bouncing through and that's the church and that's the people of God and throughout scripture old testament and new testament God provides bread for his people and as we see if you have your bibles turn to the gospel of Luke we're going to start in Luke chapter 4 Jesus shows us applications of bread that I think he wants us to look beyond the actual substance, the thing that we bake and eat with our mouths, to say what is the thing that God is providing for our souls. And I hope that you'll hear this and uh, God will use it in your life to draw you to himself and to sustain you in this journey that can surely seem weary and It can throw you off balance at times. You don't know, by by the way, you don't know me, really. You don't know what we've been through in these last couple of months, how some things that we were expecting and thinking that God had for us in our journey got turned on its head. And now we're kind of going, okay, Lord, what what are you doing? And we still don't have clarity on some of that. Jesus knew about kingdom food himself. I call I call bread kingdom food, food for the journey, sustenance for this road that we're on. Jesus knew tough times. He knew good times. He experienced all the same kinds of things that we experience, and he let the Lord lead him not only in providing what he needed to sustain him, but to show him the stages of the journey, the points of rest along the way, and to also know that when you think you're done, oh, maybe you've just begun. So when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, you know they had that pillar of cloud by day and that pillar of fire at night. And when it moved, they were to move. (laughs) And when it stopped, they were to stop. And if they're anything like we are, there would be times when God was moving and they were saying, God, could you please slow down? I can't keep up with this right now. And I bet you there were times when the pillar was staying and not moving, and people were going, I need to do something. I, God, where can, can you get going? We need to get going. And you realize that it's God who not only provides sustenance for the journey, it's God who is navigating the journey. He's the one leading the journey. Jesus knew that. It, in fact, as the beginning of his ministry, Luke chapter 4, uh, we see that bread is a provision for Jesus in temptation. You're taking notes, that's your fill in, in temptation. Let me read verses 1 through 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. (laughs) Well, I guess so. If you tried to go 40 days without food. And the devil said to him, if you're the Son of God... Tell this stone to become a hot yeast roll that you. Tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live by bread alone. Now that's an interesting place where Jesus stops, but let me back up for a moment. We don't know how Jesus was tempted during these 40 days. We don't know, we're not told exactly, but we were told that for 40 days he was being tempted by the devil. And then at the end of those 40 days, the last temptation that Jesus hears is make, or the first temptation, I guess, that he hears verbally is make some bread for yourself. So I don't know if the temptation was just to fill your stomach, just to get something in your mouth that you go, ah, this is what I've needed. That might have been the temptation. It may just be that Satan was tempting Jesus to take matters into his own hands. You make something happen. Don't wait on God. It could be that it was to short-circuit God's plans. I mean, if Jesus would have started doing miracles like that, he could have showed the world who he was. Instead, God had a journey ahead for Jesus that would entail the cross. So I don't know what the temptation was. I just know it could have been any of them or all of, or some of them or all of them. But he quotes from Deuteronomy 8.3, the Old Testament, back to the people who were in the wilderness and coming out. And he says, man does not live on bread alone. But does anyone know what 8.3 goes on to say? Into eight 8.4, but on the, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Church, I'm going to say something that is obvious. This book is bread for your soul. God has things to say to you when you're weary, when you're struggling when you're confused, when you're antsy, when things have been turned on their head, this word, the daily intake of God's word is nourishment for your souls. And I know that might be the most obvious thing that anyone could ever say in church, but I ask you, what's the daily intake of God's word like in your life? Are you going to God's word so that he might minister to your soul in good times and in hard times. That's what Jesus is saying. I, I want bread, but I live on the Word of God. I live on the, every word that comes from the mouth of my Father. It's sustenance for the journey. And I, I encourage you as individuals and as a church to come around and build your lives on the Word of God. The second picture we see then of bread in Luke's gospel is over in chapter 9. You can turn there, chapter 9. This is the famous story of the feeding of the 5,000. God often (laughs) tells us to do things that we are incapable of doing. Has anyone ever felt that God has asked you to do something that you thought, there's no way I can do that? Um, God, I don't know why he does that more often in our lives, but all they had were five loaves and two fish for 5,000 plus people. If you don't know the story, let me just read verses 12 to 14. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to Jesus and said, send this crowd away, this 5,000 plus people, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. And he replied, Will you give them something to eat? And they, they answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And then if you don't know the rest of the story, they bring to him their loaves and he breaks them and he gives them and they go out and miraculously God starts providing food for 5,000 plus people. You probably feel like God's saying to do things as a church in Shelby, Ohio, that you go, Lord, I don't know how we can do this. You know, I I know how it is, and I see this in in the district, and I see this in my own life. You just think, we're leaking here. We're we're struggling here. I don't have anything to give. And God puts us in these places, sometimes at our weakest, to provide things that we never would have seen possible. One story I will share about my wife and myself years ago. We were at our lowest point in marriage. Um, we've had some low points in our marriage, yes. And this was uh, probably our hardest time in, in, in ministry and in life. We felt, uh, we just felt attacked by each other, <laughs> by Satan. We didn't feel like there was much good going on. And um, God put this family in our lives Who lived right behind us, and there was a trailer park right behind our house. And these, this family was—they were just—they just lived life out there, and they were kind of a mess. And they had all these kids, and there were, you know, different kids from different parts of their lifetime and marriages. And, and uh, God just kept bringing these people to our backyard, and we would. We and sometimes they would come, and I'm not uh, proud of this, but they sometimes they'd come and they'd knock on the door, and I thought, Lord. Literally, I just don't have, I don't have it today. I don't have anything to give these people. Not that they were asking for... They just, they just wanted to be together. And I, I didn't, First of all, I was bothered by it. And secondly, I was so weak. And would you, would you know that one day they came and knocked on the door. It was a Sunday or Saturday afternoon. And I just wanted to lay on the couch and watch golf. And that was true. And they came in the dad and the mom and one of their teenage daughters, and they were in crisis. And I just I was like, Lord, and we just listened, and they talked a lot, so we just got to listen for a long time. And and at the very end, I just, I don't know if it was Lori or me, one of us just said, you guys need Jesus. You need to pray to receive Jesus. I mean, that was about all I could do. And they prayed to receive Jesus Christ right then on our, right at our dining room table. And I was—I mean, I'm about ready to cry right now because it was—I was, I, I was barely—I was barely there. God, God does things through us that we could never do ourselves, and that's actually food for the journey. In fact, God used it to give me just a little bit of inspiration. We go to church the next Sunday. I'm preaching. We had communion, and it was. I'll just, I'll finish this part of the story. It was so funny because they didn't know church. They didn't know what you do in church. Maybe you're like that. I didn't know what to do in church either until you learn it. But they're there and the husband and the wife and the teenage daughter, they know they've accepted Christ. So they're going to go take communion for the first time. We had communion set up around the room and uh, they had three or four of their other little kids and they're all like running around trying to get, they think it's like snack. And um, so they get the kids and they sit them down. And I mean, it was almost abuse that they were doing to their kids. <laughs> and I'm watching all of this like, Lord, do I intervene here or not? But they had another teenage daughter who goes off by herself to another line for communion. And and uh, the husband looks at me, he goes, go over there, go talk to her. And I mean, everybody's like, he wasn't very subtle about it. So I'm like, okay. So I go over and uh, she just, her, her, the other daughter was just starting to be drawn to the Lord as well. She accepts Christ right in line for communion. I'm just telling you, God does these things. He's an awesome God. And so whenever you're starting to feel overwhelmed, know that God is there providing through you what only he can do. Any good thing that happens through us is only from his hand anyway, right? But that's bread. The the bread for the 5,000 is a picture that God has through you, things that only he can do even at your moment of weakness, maybe especially at your moment of inability. Third picture, over in Luke chapter 11. I say that this one's in trust, the, the last one was in, in, just in lack, when you're, when you're in lack. So when you're in temptation, when you're in lack, uh, and now when, when, when you just need trust. Luke 11, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. He's teaching us to pray. One day, verse, 11, verse 1, chapter 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, maybe you know this prayer, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and give us each day our what? And forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. That's the prayer he teaches us. I'll come back to that. If you don't know, verses five through eight, Jesus will tell a parable of a man who was in bed at night and his neighbor comes, knocks on the door and asks for, guess what? Bread. <laughs> and the guy who's sleeping says, I, I can't get up, I'm, I'm, I'm put away for the night, go home. And the guy knocks again and there's a persistence for bread. And then the man gets up because of his persistence and gives him bread. And then at the very end, Jesus tells this in verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks you for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This daily bread that we get is a provision of God's Spirit for us. It's, it's the Word. We talked about that. It's, it's God being able to do things in you that you could never do yourself, but it's also the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is food for the journey. We, when you just, you don't trust, you need trust, God provides what it is that will get us through into the next step. God's a good heavenly Father. I do want to make one note before we move to this next one. When Jesus teaches us in verse 3 to give us each day our daily bread, I want to just make this point known, and maybe you've thought of it before, but Yesterday's bread is no longer sufficient. Yesterday's bread becomes stale. And tomorrow's bread hasn't yet been baked. What do you have? Today's bread. And we go to to the Father each and every day, asking Him to fill us, asking Him to speak to us, asking Him to lift us, asking Him to carry us, getting our marching instructions from him. That's the dailiness of life. And I encourage you, Shelby Church, be a people that goes daily for fresh bread from the Lord. And then, as a church, we do the same. And I want to get to this fourth one. And you can flip over to Luke 22. And this is just in communion. The communion bread... Jesus had gathered with his disciples. Um, We're not going to read the whole thing, but if you started at verse 7, you'll see that it says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. They were remembering that Passover time. Remember the special recipe bread that would go with them? They were remembering this bread, this bread of deliverance. And I'll, I'll start now at verse 14. Verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus had had some other Passover meals, but Jesus knew that his suffering was coming. He knew that he would, the next day, be be brought to the cross. And he said, I've eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. And there's something about Jesus as he is going to the cross that this idea of sustenance for the journey becomes even more significant for him and for the apostles and for us as we remember what Jesus did. Communion, that we're going to partake of right now is really the ultimate kingdom food for the church. It's that reminder of what Jesus did and what he's still doing in our midst. And uh, communion is, is for uh, God's people. It's for those who have received Jesus Christ uh, as, their, as their Lord and Savior. It's for those who've come to the end of themselves and said, Lord, I can't, I can't live my life the way you would want me to. Would you forgive me of my sins, enter my life, and lead me now? And for those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to partake of communion together. If you're here today and you don't know that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to pray And I'm going to just pray a a model prayer for you. If you don't know that you know Jesus Christ, you feel maybe still stuck and trapped, I would like you to express your desire to to know God and to know his will in your life and the sustenance he has for you. Would you just bow your heads for a moment?